0: Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation,
1: it's time for another edition of the podcast designed
0: for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I've got my host, Curtis, here with me today to react to the news that Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning has agreed to a deal to become the new head coach of the Oregon Ducks. I think the news was first broken by Chip Towers I want to say Friday and then immediately there was some pushback on that and there were some contradictory reports but over the weekend it became increasingly clear that Dan Lanning was indeed going to become the new Oregon head football coach and the Oregon Ducks athletic program has at this point confirmed that and officially announced that Landing will indeed be the Ducks new head coach, and this is not what we were planning to talk about today. You know, we try to plan things out and get things organized a couple weeks in advance, and with the early signing period kicking off on Wednesday, we were originally all set to do a signing day preview episode today, but as you guys know, the Dan Landing news hits, and you know, it's kind of a big deal when you lose the defensive coordinator from the nation's top defense, just as the team is set to start practice for the Orange Bowl this week for the College Bowl playoff. So with that coming down, that force is calling Audible today. We're going to try to maybe work in some recruiting stuff into this conversation, but we've got to go heavy with the coaching carousel and all of its implications. And we will do just that. But first, I do want to remind you guys about the Normal Town Cottage here in the heart of Athens. Whenever you plan to take your next trip to Athens, for whatever the reason might be, whether you're coming up for a basketball game, whether you're, maybe you're coming up for a tennis match later on in the spring, coming up to see friends, family, relive the old glory days in Athens, whatever your reason might be, make sure to book your stay at the Normal Town Cottage. It really is a no brainer, guys. I know over the years we've always kind of been conditioned to stay at hotels when you're going out of town, but with Airbnb, You can find places that are far, far nicer and more affordable than your average hotel and the Normaltown Cottage is absolutely one of those examples. Why try to cram yourself into a small, dingy, probably not super clean hotel room when you can stay at a nice, sparkling, clean, immaculate, spacious place like the Normaltown Cottage featuring three bedrooms, full kitchenette, living room, big screen TV, free tree line parking right in the heart of Athens. I'm telling you guys, take my word for this. It is hands down the best deal in Athens. So book your stay today at the Normal Town Cottage. You can check them out on Airbnb. You can go to their Instagram page and follow the links. That might be the easiest way. Or you can also check out the link pinned to our Twitter profile, which is at glory underscore UGA. All right, Curtis, Dan Lanning is heading to the Pacific Northwest and I think there are a lot of layers to peel back to this, so let's not waste any more time. Let's dive right in, and let's start here, Curtis. On a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about losing Dan Lanning? There's a lot of bad vibes in the Georgia fan base right now. We've got to pull ourselves out of that. This certainly doesn't help, but on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about losing Landing?
2: I think it depends on the circumstance you're asking. Um, if I'm thinking more short-term, I'd probably be more concerned. But if I'm thinking long-term, I don't think it's the end of the world um, at all. I mean, it can easily be replaced, and I I know that's hard to say, but the fact is that we we were able to replace Mel Tucker, who is a big piece of our defense, especially establishing the foundation, and look at all the success he's had once he's left. And yet we were able to replace him with another guy who was an up-and-comer and and at age 35 already secured a huge Power 5 job. Um, So I definitely think he's replaceable long-term.
1: All right. Well, let's take it, let's take it from both perspectives. All right. So in the short term, on a scale of one to 10, give me a number here. How concerned are you in the short term? I
2: would probably go seven. Um, realistically, um, th- talk more of like play calling and everything. Now I do think right. it helps that you, I know Schumann had the code DC and I, he didn't call the defenses exactly, but he, you know, he was more in the head of Dan Lanning. You know, they were the ones communicating about what was being called in that situation. Um, So it's not like you're completely replacing him. When you go back to like when Alabama um, replaced Lane Kiffin, they weren't the same when Sark came in. but Sark had only been an analyst. He really hadn't been in all the on-field decisions um, that Glenn Schumann had.
1: Okay, so let me just ask you this. How much do you think this impacts our game prep for the Orange Bowl? It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big game. How much does this impact us?
2: You know, if it wasn't for the fact that this is Kirby Smart's team, realistically, and his defense— I would probably be a lot more stressed out because um, that's like when you see it, a lot of the times it has been offense lately. And like when I bring up the Alabama um, with Lane Kiffin, you know, offense isn't really, let's be honest, Nick Saban's forte um, and offense isn't Kirby Smart's forte. But he does know his defenses. And that's why I kind of am not freaking out, because I think no matter what, he had an input on our defense. Um, in the game plans, week in, week out, and kind of what we did. I mean, you saw Kirby on the field always, you know, him just as much would be signaling audibles and different when we were changing coverages and blitz packages and all those things during the game. So he had just as much in-game input um, than most coaches do. So I don't think it's the end of the world.
1: Yeah, I'm going to put my number like a three or four, maybe, max. I, I'm really, like, I know mine, this sounds crazy. Mine, de- mine really depends on, mine depends on who calls the
2: plays. Um, between Schumann and Muschamp is probably where my concern sits. Because if it's Muschamp, I know he's helped out on the defenses a lot, but he wasn't involved with everything as much as Glenn Schumann has been um, in the long run. And so that's where I think it really depends on who's going to be the one actually making the defensive calls.
1: How do we know it's not Kirby Smart?
2: If it is, then I'm not stressed out too much
1: either. Um, I mean, he always has a headset on defensively. He's going to, He might not be the one sending the play calls in, but you know he's going to have a significant influence on what plays are called on a down-to-down basis for our defense. Yeah, always has been, um, realistically. And that's not, um, I think he, so, it's not going to change. I think maybe even more so at this point. Yeah.
2: Um, so that's why I was about to say my concern would only be short-term, and it's really only if Muschamp calls the defense. Now I have faith in Muschamp to be a great D.C., Um, I just don't know about the quick turnaround and replacing where we kind of gelled um, schematically and knowing your players and everything in that situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Will has been involved in our defensive game planning all year. I know technically he has a title of special teams coordinator, but that's kind of a name only. Yes, technically he oversees the special teams, but really what we've done since he took over is kind of divvy up those responsibilities like we used to when we didn't even, like we used to not have a special teams coordinator. And yes, he technically oversees that and on the field. You kind of see him doing those things during games, but he's also been heavily involved in the defensive game playing as well because let's be real that's what will muschamp does that's how he made a name for himself he's a defensive coordinator defensive coach at heart just like kirby smart is so i, I he's been involved and i don't i'm not concerned about him coming over full force here saying all right you know what now i am the defensive coordinator i'm a co-defense coordinator i don't know if he's gonna call plays i don't know how that's gonna work out i'm sure kirby and, and them are still trying to you know flesh it out themselves but I will say this about losing Lenny at this point, heading into really the the beginning of of preparation of practices for the Orange Bowl next week and it starts next Tuesday. It doesn't help. Like losing Dan Lenny is not a good thing. That does not help us. I'm not going to sit here and spin it and say, oh yeah, it's a great thing. No big deal. I mean, it doesn't help, okay? It doesn't. But that doesn't mean it has to be like a killer. And and that's kind of where I am with this. We have, as you mentioned, Curtis, having a defensive-centric head coach That really helps dull the pain here, helps mitigate that loss considerably. And I'll also throw this in. Yes, our defense, I think, if you look at it statistically throughout the entire year, the Alabama game and the SEC title game, notwithstanding, has been the best defense by and large all season long. I think almost any observer of college football would tell you that. And Dan Lanning has certainly played a significant role in that, obviously, as the defensive coordinator overseeing the entire thing. But let's also be clear here. Dan Lanning has not done this alone. Dan Lanning does not sit in a conference room by himself and come up with the defensive game plan all by himself each and every week. That's not how that works. Now, is he calling the plays out there on the field? Sure. You see the guy sent the meetings, all those kind of things, overseeing the, 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 the defense? Yes, absolutely. Again, it doesn't help that he's not going to be fully in like he would have been otherwise. But he has not done this alone. Will Muschamp has been heavily involved. Glenn Schumann has been heavily involved. He's already been the co-DC. Kirby Smart's always involved defensively. Don't let him ever fool you trying to suggest that he's not. Of course he is. So when you have a defensive-centric head coach and you have guys that have been that involved in the defensive game plan, it's a guy that's been the former defensive coordinator, a very successful defensive coordinator himself and Will Muschamp, and Glenn Schumann, who's been game-playing with Kirby Smart for you know, defensively going back to the days of Alabama, I'm just not freaking out about this. It's somewhat of a distraction, absolutely. And you want to have all hands on deck, of course. And I don't know how focused he's going to be on this, on this game. I game. Mean, I'm sure he'll, he'll do the best he can. But he's juggling a lot of things here, a lot of responsibilities. And that's tough. So it, it doesn't help, but it's also not necessarily a, a death sentence for our team, for our defense. It's not a debilitating loss, in my opinion. All right, Chris, so that's the short term. Let's look at the long term here. On a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about losing landing in the long term? Give me a number.
2: If I had to be honest, I'd probably say a two.
1: That's kind of where I am. Okay, why why not much concern in the long term? Realistically,
2: my biggest thing, you know, I'm, I texted you about this on Saturday. You know, he did a good job recruiting when he first got here, but I felt like our recruiting has kind of taken a step back, especially the outside linebacker, the last couple of years to where we actually are going to be very, very thin going in going forward, especially next year. Um, and I highlight that by two classes ago, the big misses. You know, everyone talks about Will Anderson. Yes, he missed on Will Anderson, but he also missed on B.J. O'Jelari's. Um We yep. didn't really go after him at his all. his
1: brother on campus and missed him. Yep. Yeah,
2: and showed absolutely zero interest in him. And instead, we end up with um, M.J. Sherman and Chaz Chambliss. Not sure if Sherman, I know it's still yet to be seen, but B.J. Ojolari and Will Anderson have both been a media contributor since their freshman year. Um, so that's players that players really right stay. away. Yeah, impact players, and that's one thing that really stands out to me is the last couple of classes, he is not recruiting. Go so in Dallas Turner. first this-
1: so Dallas Turner from last year's class. Yeah, we were, and, we were, and going we were heavily involved with Dallas Turner. We didn't get him, and we end up with Chat. I mean, I mean, we were probably going to take Chambliss anyway, but that, that was, I mean, that's our top edge rush. I mean, I guess you can say Xavier and Sawyer, but like he is a project. Like he's a really talented player, but he wasn't, he didn't play that position in high school. It was more of a project. He has a highly recruited, highly rated, highly recruited guy. So we did land him, but there are some pretty high profile misses on the recruiting trail from that position.
2: And that's what stands out to me. And even going into this class right now, we don't have a true stud at outside linebacker on our commit list at all. Um, and we've already, it's already pretty much well-known fact that we're going to have to go to the portal. Cause we don't have the depth that we need at that position. Um, especially going into this class. So he has taken a step back in my opinion, recruiting the last couple of years at his position. Um, so I want to point that out first. And then second of all, like, if it stays with Muschamp and Schumann as co-DCs, I have full faith in them recruiting wise. And I think the one thing that we have to discuss is realistically there is an opening right now and it comes down to, do we give it to um, give it back to Scott Cochran and make, you know, must champ almost coach outside linebackers or something of that, or do we go and hire a new outside linebacker coach um, to help recruiting also? Because if we do hire a new outside linebacker coach to also help recruiting at that one position, I don't think you'll miss a beat, honestly, defensively recruiting.
1: Yeah, we're, we're going to get to that, Chris. I'm glad you brought that up. Got that in a couple questions. We'll definitely dive headfirst into that. And I, I want to touch on Dan Lenning as a recruiter here just for another minute. I don't want people to sit here and think that we're just crapping on Dan Lenning saying, oh, this guy's a terrible recruiter. That's not the case. Dan Lenning was, was instrumental when he came on board and kind of really firming up Nolan Smith's commitment. He's done a good job for us. He's been a good recruiter. I just don't think he has been an elite recruiter while he's been here in Athens. There have been some high-profile misses, and you're exactly right, Kirst. That position that he inherited was kind of – not kind of – it was like the strength of the team. It really was. And then now we're going into next year, and it's a flat-out liability, especially if Nolan Smith doesn't come back. It is a liability heading into next year. We're in a position where we have to hit the transfer portal hard. And look, coaches miss, guys. Even Kirby Smart, he doesn't land everybody he wants. Every coach is going to miss a guy here and there, but it's kind of become more of a trend the past couple years at that position. I know everyone wants to look at receiver and say, Cortez Hengen has a recruit at a high level. And that's probably fair. He hasn't landed some of those big time guys. So no I one's going to argue with that. you over
2: No one's going to argue with you in him or that comment, but especially defensively yep. where like that's Kirby hearts, bread and butter. Um, and that's another reason why I'm not exactly fear or scared as much, because as long as Kirby's head coach, defensive recruiting is not going to be as much of an issue. Right. Um, but um, he definitely has been the weak link of our recruiting at that at, on defense lately.
1: It, it, I think defensively, yes, because we. I mean, let's be real. Glenn Schuman is a monster. Now he's missed on a couple <clears> guys. <throat> too. He missed on um, Noah Sewell a couple years ago. But like the fact that we almost got Noah Sewell was a testament to how good of a recruiter that Glenn Schuman is. Because that guy was always going to go to Oregon with his where his brother was. You know, their family's very close knit in that culture and. The idea that we came as close as we did to pulling him from the West Coast like that, that's a testament to how good of a recruiter that Glenn Schumann is at the inside linebacker position. And he's landing guy after guy after guy at that position. And look, we we have some I think some guys that are undervalued as as edge rushers in this class. I think Carlton Madden's gonna be a really good edge rusher. I actually like Darius Smith. And those guys are they're not highly rated, they're not the big five stars, they're not gonna, you know, make a splash and at least on, on signing day and all that kind of thing. But I think those guys can be big-time players for us. But the fact is, there have been some really high-profile misses in that position, and that's put us in a tough spot at the position that he actually has coached. Now he's the coordinator, but he's also the outside linebacker coach. just put us in a tough spot there. So from a recruiting standpoint, I guess all we're saying here is that it's certainly not a debilitating loss. In fact, from a recruiting standpoint, there's a possibility to go out there and upgrade. Is that fair to say, Curtis?
2: I think it is. I mean, you're realistically allowing Muschamp to truly be in charge of or, you know, more input on the defense. You're already seeing dividends. I mean, think of um, Singleton and people like that, that Muschamp has been the lead recruiter. The way he has changed it, just his input on things lately, Um, having him truly in a consistent on the field position where we know he can go out recruiting. Um, and doing all those things already helps. Like you're not going to miss a beat as much. And then if we're able to replace them with maybe another young up and comer, um, who's hungry and ready to go prove themselves, um, I don't think it could be bad.
1: Yeah, I, I think I tend to agree with you Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones. Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast?
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to com now. That's L I B S Y N ads dot com.
1: So here's where I want to go next, Curtis. I, I want to get your take on exactly how this is going to play out over the next three weeks leading up to the orange bowl, because I am sure you saw this. I'm sure all of our listeners out there saw this when Kirby released it over the weekend, but I thought Kirby smart put out a rather ambiguous statement regarding how this is going to play out moving forward with the defensive coordinator position. Cause this is what he said. I got the quote right here. He said, quote, while he will coach with us for the upcoming casual playoff, we will move forward with Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp as co-Defensive Coordinators. Dan and I are both looking forward to preparing for the college playoff. I don't know about you, Curtis. Maybe this is just me. But I think that statement can be read a couple of different ways. How do you interpret that statement and where we're going with the defense coordinator position in the immediate future and also heading into next year?
2: The immediate future, Laning will just be a position coach, in my opinion. I think that's how I read it. He's going to be only a position coach coaching is- um, he may have some input on the game plan, you know, just because I think we value his opinion, but I don't think he's going to be the one putting it completely together and implementing it. Um, and then going forward, I have to believe that this was always the plan. You know, forever, I mean, I felt like it was, for the most part, kind of foregone that Lanning was going to leave because he was such a hot commodity, and it was just more of when the job came open that was the right fit for him. But the fact is, I always thought that Muschamp and Schumann were the future of— the defensive position or, you know, the leadership of that defense um, because they're both guys and you have to continue to give Schumann raises and promotions and things because he is such an instrumental part of that team recruiting wise. And he's like almost, in my opinion, like a protege to Kirby. Um, so he's going to, he deserves it. And then Muschamp also just such a great defensive mind that I, f- I feel like, yeah, I know it's very vague, but I think it's just vague in the fact that like, I know we're saying it's how we're going forward, but I wouldn't be shocked if just, you start it comes september next year and it's still a, no new statements have been made nothing's been changed because i really don't i think barring some other losses that that's what the plan is or has always been going forward
1: yeah so i think a couple of different ways you can look at this i think you could potentially look at it as hey you know what it's business as usual in the cultural playoff Dan landing defensive coordinator play caller whole nine yards and and then it's a must champion Schumann next year. Or you can look at it and say, you know, as you said, Curtis, Landon will be part of the staff, kind of assisting as an assistant coach, a position coach, outside linebackers in the playoff, but, but not in his former role as defense coordinator and play caller. And then here's where – and I think that's – I agree with you there, Curtis. I think that's how it's going to play out. Landon's going to be on the staff, will be here. His responsibility is certainly, his certainly going to be split because he's got to be preparing for Oregon and still recruiting the whole nine yards. But I think he'll be on, on staff and he'll be assisting in, in some way, shape, or form, probably just a, as a position coach. But then the question becomes, all right, and this is where I, I think there's some ambiguity here. When Kirby says, we'll move forward with Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp as co-DC, do you, is he referring to Muschamp and Schumann as co-DC for this game and then we reevaluate going into next season? Or is it Muschamp and Schumann as co-DC for this game and next season? What's your read on that?
2: See, my read on is I think it's going into next season also, um, just because they're co-DC, and as you've seen, it doesn't mean the salaries and everything are going to be saying, like, I think salary-wise and some of those things will come out later of, you know, the big bump that I'm expecting Schumann to get, and while Muschamp may get a bump, he's not one that kind of really needs the bump as much, because you and I were talking about it, he's still getting that $18 million buyout from South Carolina, so him getting the money isn't as much as it is to show Schumann that we value him and getting him up to uh, over a million dollars. I think
1: Schumann's making 600000 right now, so he, he needs a million. Yeah, and
2: yeah, he needs a million, but Champ's the one that he'll probably get a bump, but I think you have to kind of, especially the way if, I, I, I'm betting there'll be an increase. Uh, I, I can almost guarantee there'll be an increase in the assistant coaches pool and the money they get paid, but realistically, I'm expecting – Schumann to get the huge bump while Muschamp will kind of be like in the position of where Schumann has been like getting a little bit less kind of showing that Schumann may be the front guy, but I don't, That that's how I read it.
1: Okay. Well, let me ask you. So if Muschamp and Schumann, and I think that's how I read it too. Um, I think it, it can be read another way. And if, if some of our listeners out there read it a different way, I totally get that. But I, I'm reading it right now as Kirby Smart saying when he says we're moving forward with Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp as co-DC, I think that, going into the college football playoff and also into next year. That's just my read on it. I'm with you there. But the next question becomes curse, all right, if that's the case, who is the play caller? They both are not going to call plays. Who calls plays? It's it's, it's tricky cuz Mush Champs the guy clearly with the experience edge and he's been extraordinarily successful as a defensive coordinator at Auburn, Texas, really wherever he's been. He's, LSU's been very very good as a defensive guy. That's where he's cut his teeth. Glenn Glinchu doesn't have the experience but I think he's a rising star in this profession. I think you agree with me. And this is a guy that we certainly want to keep on staff. I mean, talking about recruiting, he's been a, a lights-out recruiter. I think, like I say, he's a rising superstar in this profession. I want to keep him long-term. As much champ, even if he's at D.C. next year, he might not be long for that job. I mean, he might be trying to parlay that into another job somewhere else and kind of build up, the, go up the ladder again as a head coach somewhere. I don't know. Shoe's still young. He's still an up-and-comer. And I want to keep this guy around for as long as we possibly can. But he doesn't have that experience. So, what do you do, Curtis? Like, do you go with a guy that's experienced, or do you give Shu his chance as a way to encourage him to stick around? Because I could t- certainly foresee a scenario where Dan Lanning offers him the defense coordinator job at Oregon. Can't you foresee that potentially?
2: I I could, and I think that's why you have to give Shuman the chance to call plays. And here's the thing: if it doesn't work out, and hey, he's not if he shows ends up not being ready to do that then I don't know if you have as much of a catastrophe in the fact that they're co-DCs and you're just like, no one truly has to know about the change. I mean, you'll know, but it's not going to be as big of a change where you saw up in Ohio state where they literally took the play calling duty away from the DC and there was yep. no co-DC situation.
1: Yeah. So what I, here's, I guess my take on it is I would say Muscham is going to be around town. He's going to be on the staff. One way or another next year, no matter what, he's not going anywhere. His son's still here. They're living in Athens. He has that money. It's still coming in from South Carolina. He's got that windfall coming in. He's in the fire coaches club. But Glenn Schumann, there's no guarantees in to be here if we don't allow him to take on those additional responsibilities. All these coaches want to take the next step in their profession and the next step for shooting he's been co-dc the next step for him is to be the d like you can call it co-dc a name but to be the primary play caller, to be that guy to be what dan laning has been and if dan laning potentially offers him now which and there's no guarantee that laning is offering that maybe laning wants to branch out and bring somebody else and has experience i don't know but it's certainly a, a, a i think more than a decent possibility that he would be interested in getting glenn schumann over to oregon So, if that's the case, I think you have to, you really need to strongly consider giving him those play calling responsibilities. Like I said, he's not, he's much less of a guarantee to be here next year. I think Mushjim's going to be here regardless. Schumann, not as much. So, for me, I'm with you. Schumann just
2: just got his second Buckus Award winner under him. So, he is, he's a rising star and you're going to have to
1: reward him. Two Buckus Award winners in four years. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, you've got, I mean, Laney, I think was a $425,000. Dollar bump after last year as good as our defense has been this year as good of a recruiter as shuman has been as instrumental as he's been in the game planning this guy's got to get that level of a bump if not more honestly it has to happen i think you need to give him the play calling and duties and the good thing is you've got muschamp there with him who has that experience you can kind of help guide him and help get his feet under him you got kirby smart there as well i mean can you have two better mentors in the same building to help you kind of get on your feet in your first time as a defensive play caller to have those guys to lean on i mean that's no, that's, I mean, it's really hard to imagine having a better situation for a first-time play caller as a defense coordinator. And I don't know if that's how it's going to play out, but that's how I would go about it if, if I'm Kirby Smart. No, he obviously has a lot more knowledge about what's going on behind the scenes than we do, but that's kind of how I would approach it. Um, all right, Kurt. so you and I were both in agreement that Lanning is not going to be calling plays in the playoffs. He's going to be assisting in some role, probably as a position coach. Is that the right move here? Is that the right move to say, all right, I, take a step back? I,
2: I think it is because I think in the fact is like Kirby has had firsthand experience, probably how much it is to balance. Um, and I think he knows better than anyone what is needed to be successful um, and probably wants to be fair to the players that on this team also. Um, and maybe they had a frank conversation was like, if you don't think you can handle it, I need to know. So I we don't know how it all played out between all of them. But the fact is I don't, I think it's a good good choice because it allows it just allows people to focus on what they need to do, what's in front of them without having something pulling at them from some, you know, pulling them away to try to focus on something else.
1: Yeah, I mean you said it, Curtis. Kirby lived this. In 2015, once he got the Georgia job, he lived this. He was trying to recruit for us and he was also trying to prepare for a playoff run for Alabama. And he was he actually stayed on as their actual defensive coordinator. He was actually calling plays in the national championship game, and in, in that was that 2015 season, I guess in the 2016, the 2015 season. And I've heard Kirby talk about this a couple of different times, about how hard that was. He called it a living hell. Like That was just insane, and he would not wish it on anybody. I've heard him talk about that multiple times. I mean, he basically didn't sleep for a couple of weeks there. I mean, that's just what it was. And – you saw that their, their, they won that national championship, but their defense didn't perform all that well because Kirby was torn in, in 87 different directions, man. That's a very, very difficult thing. No matter what you want to do, you want to do right by both parties. You want to do right by the players that, that have been fighting with you all year long in that program that's giving this opportunity, but you also are getting a a huge pay bump, and a lot of money from this new program, and you want to get off on your on the right foot as well. So you're torn in different directions. Kirby's lived that, and I think that experience has kind of helped him realize like this is kind of the direction we need to go. It was really hard for me. I don't think I put my best foot forward in either job. So I, I absolutely agree, Curtis. I think this is the right move. Um, it's nice that Lenny will still be around. I am very excited that he will be there because I would love to have his in- – I mean, he'll still be involved in the game plan. He's just not going to be the guy that's as intimately involved as he previously was. I, I absolutely I think this is the right move. You can't have a guy when you're talking about a national championship. You cannot have a guy, I don't want to say his loyalties are torn. He obviously wants us to win, but his responsibilities are torn here. And there's just not enough hours in the day for him to do the kind of job that we need him to do as a defense coordinator for us heading into the college football playoff. And it's just too important. The stakes are too high. You simply can't let it happen. And Muschamp and Schumann have been involved heavily all year long. Of course, as we said, Curtis Smart, defensive minded guy, that helps kind of blunt that loss there to a large degree, in my opinion. Um, All right, Curtis. Now, anytime an assistant coach takes a head coach job somewhere else, there's always a danger that he's going to take a few of your other assistants with them by offering promotions. We've already mentioned Glenn Schumann as a guy to certainly watch out for here. Do you think there are any other coaches he might target? And if so, who do we need to watch out for? Well,
2: I was going to say potentially someone offensively, but you're already hearing that he's trying to hire someone he coached with offensively um, at FSU. So I don't know if that's the case, and I doubt someone like um, Mel, or, um, Del, McGee Del McGee or Hangtons going to leave for really a lateral position. Um, now, defensively, someone like Trey Scott could be someone that you need to watch.
1: I'd watch the entire um, defense draft, try- to be honest.
2: <laughs> or, yeah, realistically, outside Muschamp, yeah. But, I mean, that's why, you like like you said, you have to lock down Schumann because you have to keep him here. Um, but you have to watch out, especially for Jamila Adil. And... Um, trey scott
1: trey scott's one to watch i'm i really want to keep trey scott i know remember back in the day Curtis, like three four years ago how everyone like cortez hankton has been the popular punchy bag about not keeping up on the recruiting trail lately but remember when it was trey scott and
2: yeah, i do and
1: i and that's why
2: i think we need to keep him especially because well if trey scott's smart he's thinking all right i'm about to have jalen carter next year i've got Bear Alexander coming in, like he's gonna that continue the Jordan Davis thing of having studs up front, um, to where his life's gonna be a lot easier and he has a lot easier selling point than where he's gonna have to potentially go start anew as somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I mean but to kind of finish my point there, he he's a guy that people were beaten up on a couple years ago, but my had the how the tables have turned there. He has become a recruiting oh, yeah. machine at the defensive line position. And really what we what I was saying back then too is like, yeah, I know it doesn't look great right now, but he basically has no resume. These guys don't really know what he, what he's about. They don't know. They like the guy personally. He connects with them, but he doesn't have any evidence to show that he's put guys in the league. And that's what most of those players, that's one of their primary concerns. They want to know, can you put me in the league? Can you develop me? But now he's had a chance to do that. Now he's got an Outland Trophy winner, Jordan Davis. We are stacking it up on the defensive line. You're right. The, the cupboard is stocked next year as well on the defensive front. So I, I think it kind of would behoove him to stay because he's kind of built this roster, built that defensive front. You would want to reap the dividends here. And I think that we will certainly pay him as well. But he's another guy. I mean, him and Schumann, we've got to do what it takes to keep those guys. And I do think that there's a very good chance that Damian will make a run with those guys and try to, and try to convince them to, to make the move to the West Coast. And we've got to do what it takes to keep them. What about anybody in the strength staff, Curtis? Of the support staff um, kind of guys. You, know, you always see one guy at least leave. Um, one
2: of the assistants usually is who you'll see go because that's their chance to try to get it. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked to see at least one person in there, and probably someone, a couple of two or three people at least, out of the support staff, because it's just a chance for them maybe to get a higher analyst role or even an on the field role potentially. Like that's really what got got Glenn Schumann to go with Kirby. Yeah, I'm
1: gonna throw a name out here: is on the support staff, and offensive analyst, Buster Faulkner. You familiar with that name, Curtis?
2: I am. I really hope we hold on to him because I feel like he's yeah. the heir apparent to Todd Monken.
1: He gave up an offensive coordinator job. At uh, what was it was it was it was it Louisiana Lafayette? Was it, it was a, I, I believe it was Southern Miss. Was it Southern? Okay, I th- actually, I think it was Southern Miss. It was one of those group of five schools. He gave up an OC job, a college football OC job, to come here as an offensive analyst. And behind the scenes, he does a really, really good job of not just helping with the game plan, but also coaching quarterbacks, also recruiting behind the scenes. This guy is another guy. It's kind of, I think, a, a rising star that a lot of our fan base might not really be familiar with that name. I've remembered the name. I played against his brother back in high school. Uh, his, brother, his brother was a quarterback at my rival high school. Todd was his name. Um, but Buster's uh, been a – he's been a, kind of a force behind the scenes for us. And it's kind of like – you remember when Mel Tucker took the Colorado job? Hootie hires his office yeah. coordinator. Jay Johnson was one uh, of our support staffers. Uh, yep. Yep, and now Jay Johnson is an offensive coordinator with Mel Tucker at Michigan State. So I'm not saying that Dan Lane's going to hire Buster Faulkner as the offensive coordinator to Oregon. If I was him, I'd probably go with somebody with a little bit more experience because uh, he's certainly not as, as seasoned as like Jay Johnson was. Jay Johnson had previously been the coordinator at Minnesota, and he'd been around the block for a while. He was an older guy, a lot more experienced. But it wouldn't surprise me to see Dan Lane try to take a guy like Buster Faulkner to Oregon, maybe in an on-field role. I mean, the, again, these guys want to take the next step in their career. And for Buster Faulkner, the next step is an on-field coaching job at the Power Five level. And so that's another name to watch. I think that's another name that Kirby would really like to keep. But if we don't get it, if, if, if bottom line is if Landing offers him a on-field job and we don't, and we just say no, we're going to keep you, we'll give you a raise, but you stay on off the field. He's probably going to go to Oregon. It would be really, really hard to turn that one down. So it's just a name to watch. I don't know. I don't, don't have any inside information on that, but that's just one that comes to mind there for me. But there's going to be some attrition. He's going to take some people with him, probably some guys from the uh, from the string staff, maybe there, Buster Faulkner, a guy like that, but some analysts, you know, some of those kind of guys, typically you see that kind of movement. Really, and that's inevitable. Those guys want promotions. All these guys do. But as long as we can keep Schumann and we can keep Trey Scott and keep the rest of like the on-field staff intact, I would feel
0: reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads go to lips and now that's l-i-b-s-y-n ads.com
1: uh, and let's go there curtis and that's what i want to talk about next year i want to get your take on the composition of our on-field coaching staff next year there's still a lot to d- determine and decide here. We still don't know who might get other offers or take other jobs. And and Mike Bobo, Curtis, you and I were texting yeah, about this. I was this about one. to bring that up. Yeah. I
2: did. Yeah, that's a name that.
1: that I mean you and I have been talking about it. I keep hearing around town here in Athens that he has a really good chance of ending up on our staff in some capacity, whether that's on the field or off the field. Uh he's got a he's got a son who is a senior in high school this year. Drew Bobo was committed to Auburn. Well, Bobo's not the coach at Auburn anymore. We, we had been recruiting Bobo, so there's a good chance he might end up, I don't know if he'd be preferred walk-on or maybe as, as a scholarship, if we have an extra one. But there's a really good chance that Bobo's going to be on our staff in some capacity next year. So, Curtis, there's a lot left to determine here, but the limited info that we have to work off of right now, just let's spitball here, man. Like, what is your projection on what our staff looks like next year?
2: Well, here's my thing. If Bobo comes in as a potential quarterback coach on the field coach, then my view is Cortez Hankton's gone and we move um, Todd Monk to wide receiver coach.
1: If yeah, that's on, yeah, that, yeah, on, that, offensively, that, have,
2: yeah. up, that would be what I could actually kind of foresee happening offensively, especially if he wants to bring in a true quarterback coach. I don't know if monkin is a true quarterback coach. I'll be honest. Um, I don't know if that's his forte. Um, you've never he truly passed but you just you haven't heard about it as much lately um, so I don't know if they want to true bring in a true quarterback coach in Bobo especially someone who like think Gunnar Stockton he has a great familiarity with Gunnar Stockton that would be a great way to help develop Gunnar Stockton going forward um, which is something Kirby, Kirby needs really bad as a young guy to come in and take the job and hold it for two or three years and not hold, wait for all these stable you know these transition people or people that shouldn't even be having the job but having to take it because other things He needs someone to come in and take it from young age and develop into it. And you can see that with Bobo and, say, Stockton or even Vandegrift and the fact that he could just focus on them and not have to worry about play calling but developing them. And then defensively, um, I think that we're going to hire an outside linebacker coach. I think I'm ready to say that I'm pretty positive that I don't think Cochran gets a job back. So I, I think going forward we're not going to have a special teams coach but just kind of separate it between them and try to load up on position coaches.
1: Yeah, I actually, um, that's the word around town. I, I have on <laughs> pretty good authority that Scott Cochran is unlikely to return in an on-field capacity. Which I hate yeah. it for him because I really like yeah, the guy. Right. I mean, I
2: can't say I love yeah. him like gamma fans do, but I really like him and like Does. his energy and what he stands for. But r- r- right now, he's a liability. You know, you and I were texting about that, and I was like, I i just think it's dangerous right now to have him because um, it's going to be tough to go into a parent's home. Um, or, it's you really know, into home. but you're right. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough – it'll be a tough sell. And then I don't know if he brings enough to the table to potentially take away from a good position coach that can help, you know, focus where we truly need it. Because I think offensively, if we were able to have a quarterback coach and then defensively have one that coaches every position and then like a D.C. almost that can be over it all, kind of like Muschamp, right now helps the safeties and the deal does cornerbacks. But if he could just kind of be like a CEO of the defense or even Monk could be CEO of the offense, it helps them.
1: So what in that scenario, you said earlier you think Muschamp's going to be back next year. I agree with that. What does Muschamp coach?
2: Okay, so here's the thing. If Muschamp comes back, then I think he we continue where he kind of works with the safeties and a deal gets to focus on cornerbacks. Because I think realistically, that's a hard position to coach as a DB coach because there's two different skill sets. When you're looking at safeties and cornerbacks and the way they practice every day, the drills they do, because everyone has to do kind of different drills, different, you know, viewpoints on the way you see the field and things like that. I think it's beneficial to us to have someone work just safeties, putting them through certain drills and the cornerbacks going through certain drills. So I kind of like the idea of him kind of being almost a CEO of the whole defense while also helping out with the safeties and allowing a deal to focus on cornerbacks so that they can get truly developed.
1: Yeah, I think you're right in saying that I, I would predict right now that we do not hire a dedicated special teams coordinator. We kind of go back to the days of yesteryear where we kind of divvy those responsibilities up because that's what we did when, when there were only nine on-field coaches. There was very rarely a team that had a dedicated special teams coach, and they, the different coaches on staff kind of just divvied it up. Like One guy would be in charge of punt return. This guy would be in charge of kickoff and kick return and so on and so forth. I think we'll probably go back to that. And it's kind of been, it's kind of been that way this year, as I was alluding to earlier. Um, so I, I think that's the likelihood here. You mentioned bringing in a new outside linebacker coach curse. Do you have any names at the top of your head as to who might be? To be on honest,
2: One name you're hearing, but I, I don't know. I, you know, we've talked bad about him or I specifically have, Um so I'm going to bring him up, but first I just want to mention the fact is, like, realistically, I don't know off the top of my head anyone that's, like, a set outside linebacker coach. I would definitely have to look kind of probably in the, the lower ranking schools to potentially see someone, but I don't know someone off the top of my head that is an established But those guys, that's something you can
1: learn. I mean, coaches make the transition all the time. It's not uncommon. Yeah,
2: so that's why it's hard. I mean, I think there's two, two, potential, two potential people. I got first, two on my
1: list. You want to see if you come up with the same ones. All right. Who you got?
2: My first one is Christian Robinson.
1: Okay. He's on my list. And then number 2 is Nick Williams. Also on my list. Those are my two. Yes. And look, yeah, I, I and don't Williams is the one be- I was the one I was referring to where
2: we've kind of been really hard and trashing him which cuz I do think it wasn't handled correctly and I will, and I do, but if Kirby's willing to bury the hatchet and move forward for the best of the team, then I will get behind him. Um, so I mean, I still have some anger with him, but I think that those are the two people I wouldn't be shocked.
1: Yeah, I mean, Nick Williams didn't leave on like the best of terms, um, had that on pretty good authority, but it's nothing that he can't come back from. Um, it, it, that's kind of how I would phrase that there. I think he's he's he certainly would be welcome back in an on field role. And that's really what he wanted. You know, all these guys that they want to take that next step. And Nick Williams is no different there. He is an awesome young recruiter. Christian Robinson's kind of built the same way. He's a really good young recruiter. He kind of hitched his wagons to the Ronnie's coordinator and Todd Grantham. Todd Grantham. And Todd Grantham. But. <laughs> Uh, Todd Grantham's gone and Christian Robinson's uh, a free agent he's on the market, and Georgia makes a lot of sense. And I, I guess, I don't know, Kirk, can you forgive him for being a gator for all those years? I can
2: because I forgive him, yeah. Will Muschamp, But the thing is, Muschamp yeah, wasn't as vocal on Twitter with the stuff Christian
1: yeah, that's Robinson the thing, did. And which which I know was... that he had a job to do, but he was very like vocal anti Georgia. But you have a job. I understand that. And like, he was a Mississippi State. So I tried not and to hold like,
2: because like people. People sold their soul for less um, realistically when it comes down to it for work. Um, so I try not to hold it against him. He's been in Athens. I'd probably seen him around downtown or out to yeah. eat because he was, he was very prevalent in the downtown society.
1: Yes. The downtown scene that Christian Robinson was for a little while there. Yeah. He's a good dude, man. I, I absolutely no problems. Not, not even a, wouldn't even blink an eye there. Um, comes from a really good family. They're great people. Um, I would welcome Christian Robinson back with open arms. Like, do you think that would be a good hire if it was Christian Robinson? I think it would be. I mean, first off, he's like Kirby and the
2: fact that he loves Georgia. or I mean, I don't know, but that he played here. um, So he has ties to Georgia. He can sell everything that they can provide you and say, look, like, hey, if football doesn't work out, they can give you an avenue to be a coach like I did. So, like, he can provide a lot of different things. And, like, he recruited decently. I mean, honestly, if there hadn't been so much turmoil in Florida, he probably would have kept uh, Shamar
1: James. Well, he recruited really well considering who his head coach was at Florida. It's really hard to recruit around that clown of a human being.
2: And the, in and the, the non-committal of them all with Todd Grantham, you didn't know when he was going to leave.
1: Yeah, yeah, all the smoke around Todd Grantham being on the hot seat, all that, yeah, that's tough. I think Chris Robbins would be a, would be a really good hire. I would welcome him back to Athens. I think he would be very excited to be back in Athens. Uh, Nick Williams, I would also welcome him back to Athens. I think they're both really good, young, up-and-coming coaches um, who can recruit really well. And when you're young like that, because think of Curtis, Kirby puts a premium on recruiting, right? And – Yeah, I I think our listeners understand this. We have a very sophisticated group of listeners. You guys know your stuff. This is a nonstop job. You're going a 1,000 miles an hour, basically 24-7. Recruiting takes up a ton of your time. You do not get to spend a lot of time with your family. That's very, very precious time because you don't get much of it. So these younger coaches, they typically have more energy and more hunger to go do the things on the trail that it takes to recruit at a high level to be those kind of mercenary recruiters, the way that Kirby Smart demands of his coaches. The guys that are older have more established families. I'm not saying they don't do it. Del McGee goes out there and recruits his butt off, but it's just, it's just harder sometimes. They have more responsibilities. You got more bigger family things you gotta deal with there. And these young guys, they are hungry to make a name for themselves, like Schumann was, like Dan Lanning was, like Schumann still is, I guess. I think Nick Williams, Christian Robinson kind of fit that bill. So those would be two guys that I would certainly pay close attention to. Um, But Kirby, you know, I I will say this, Curtis, Kirby has done a really good job of hiring for his staff. Wouldn't you agree with that?
2: Oh, I do. And I think that's one thing, you know, we were literally talking about with Lanning leaving. Like I think I said the whole time I thought the plan was going forward, like they kind of expected him to get a job and to go forward. It would be, um, you know, Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann, the fact that like, he does a great job of looking ahead and having people ready to take these positions.
1: Yeah, he builds a great support staff and trains just, those just like
2: guys when up. He, Muschamp, he repl- or not Muschamp, but replaced Mel Tucker with Dan Lanning. Like he
1: had that ready to go. And nobody knew who Dan Lanning was then. And now Dan well, Lanning a couple I mean, years later is head coach at Oregon.
2: Yeah, he was thirty two years old at that time now when he I didn't even realize he was so young, but yeah, like he had a young guy ready to go.
1: He was an unknown commodity. So I honestly, I have, and people, I know people get frustrated with Kirby Smart with some of the coaching decisions and handling personnel, especially the quarterback position. Obviously, we've gone on and fair. on about that. But this is one thing. Let's give the guy credit where credit's due. This guy has been an absolute killer when it comes to hiring. He has hired. And he's, willing, he's willing
2: to move on, too, if it's not working like, like James Coley.
1: He has shown that ability, and you mentioned Cortez Hankin. You, you really think Cortez Hankin might be a guy that could get the axe. I don't know if I see that, Curtis. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I if know. I had to
2: think someone getting the axe, it would be shocked to be him. I mean, realistically, we have not recruited well at the position. We've had we've hit some on some on you know diamonds in the rough, but at the same time, I think that he's a casualty. The fact that. Someone offensively, maybe the, the what we have at quarterback, I don't know, but we've been too stubborn in not throwing the ball, um, rotating too much. That so.
1: hurts It's hard to recruit receivers when we don't throw the ball more than 25 times a game.
2: Yeah, and that's why I have saying going forward we're going to have to do it. Um, that's a whole other discussion, but
1: well, I don't know. For if you guys know. like George Pickens, Jermaine Burton, Marcus Rosemead, Jack Saint, Lad McConkie, yeah. I know and it wasn't a big time recruit, but he. And he I mean, here's the guy. thing, too.
2: Here's the thing, too. Like, you're hearing the potential that O. Stetson will be back. He'll be the quarterback next year. It's going to be hard to get a wide receiver to want to come play for Georgia, thinking that's going to be my QB one next year. I mean, I know this is a whole other conversation, but, but the fact is, like, if you, when have you truly seen him throw a lot of the time and be successful in it? And you're like, do I really want to come waste a whole year with that?
1: It yeah, absolutely does not help. All right, Curtis, I'm going to get you out of here on this one, man. I know you got one last final exam that you got to get to tomorrow. So I'm going to let you go study for that. All right, so talk about Hank, talk about Bobo. Who are you putting your money on? Who's more likely to be on Georgia's offensive coaching staff next year? If I had to put on money on, coaching they, staff. i say Bobo. Cool, say Bobo. Mm.
2: I mean, Right now, I know yeah. he, I, I know he's a casualty. I'm not We've that. talked about that, but the fact is, even though he's a casualty, then are we really going to lose anything by putting Todd Munken in that position?
1: But I've also I, and I've also heard you got to think Lincoln Todd, Munkin's the,
2: one, Todd Munkin's the one. that wanted Lab McConkie.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's that is true, and that was a, a late, a very late offer. And I've actually heard Hankins' name mentioned in connection with a couple other jobs. LSU. LSU. I don't know how strong that was was mentioned.
2: You saw LSU, and he's from Louisiana, so that yeah, would make
1: he's fun. from Louisiana, so maybe that's just a, a mutual parting ways kind of thing. I don't know, but I think I agree with you. I think that Drew Bobo, Mike Bobo's son, is going to be on our team some way next year, whether it's scholarship or for a walk-on. And I think there's a very strong chance that Mike Bobo is going to be on staff in an on-field coach position in some capacity next year. I don't know exactly what that looked like, but I think was a really good chance. All right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Thank you for tuning in and checking out what we had to say about the Dan Lanning news. But we are not done this week. We have plenty more content coming your way. Charlie and I will be back with part one of our bowl season picks. And of course, Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, we will have our early signing period recap show for you guys as well. So a lot of great stuff this week. Next week, I will have the Scout of the Enemy Michigan edition episode for you guys heading into the Christmas holidays. So a lot of great stuff for you guys. Thank you for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.